Welcome guys to another episode of Money Mondays, where we are focused on raising private capital. So whether you are a new investor, an experienced investor, or even a business owner, understanding the art of raising private capital is crucial in today's competitive landscape. Join us as we navigate the complex realm of attracting investors, securing funding, and building meaningful relationships that fuel your business growth. Welcome, welcome, guys. I'm your host, Kalisha Carter, and I have my co-host with me, Betsy. What's up? What's up? Man, I feel like it's been like forever. I don't know. Like every time we come back, it feels like it's been a while. I know. I know. I think it's because we we haven't been recording as much as we usually are, because I know this month is usually crazy for all investors out there. So we know we're with y'all. But. Without that being said, we still always make sure to bring you guys a ton of value. So I know if you guys miss us, you know, we still always bring on a fantastic guest who's going to drop all the gems for you guys. And you can answer any questions that you guys might have. But before we even. Yeah. And we want to give an announcement too. next week. We won't be live. So you guys won't be joining us live next week. We will. Uh, usually we don't record do lives on holidays, so yes. so if you guys so, break from us. But if you guys are still like doing, I know some persons who like working on the holidays. So if you guys are, go go rewatch an old episode and yes. let us know what you think. Any episode that you guys miss, rewatch it and let us know what you guys think and everything like that. But before we definitely can- listen to the podcast too, like leave us leave us yes. some likes or. A review or comments, all those help um, visibility. So, yeah, we really appreciate that, you guys. Yeah, man. Betsy, you want to hit that with that? Disc- oh, Kathleen, I feel like we're getting too excited. You want to hit that with that disclaimer? <laughs> yes, the following information is for educational purposes only. Please do your own due diligence. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not provide financial, legal, or professional advice. We just want to remind you guys every episode that every case is different. So, please go to the proper people so that you can do your due diligence with them and make sure you're getting the correct information for your property because cases change. Listen, we are not liable for nada, nothing. And huge shout out to everyone who's always tuning in every Monday or here. And for persons who keep missing the live, but yet they go back and they rewatch it, they listen it, whether on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, like, Shout out to you guys and thanks for the continuous support. We appreciate it a ton. So sending the guys some love or way, your way rather. <laughs> but um, let's introduce our guest. Like we have today, uh, Rob Seema. Um, I know a lot of persons are familiar with him because we're all a part of the mastermind, real estate mastermind with Pace Morby. But if you're still in the real estate space and you're not in that mentorship, this is also an opportunity to Pretty get to hear what other investors are, what they're doing, how they're getting mad creative with using private money. And today we're talking about how he's using private money to grow his business. Um, Rob is the owner of Tusk Funds. That's T-U-S-K Funds. And we'll give you more details about his company, how to visit his website if you guys want to contact him. He's a creative real estate investor, primarily focused on assisted living sector and you also get more details into that because his his he he's very experienced with that part of it and he also manages a transaction coordination business so he's like the one-stop shop for everything that you're doing and i love like his strategy and how he's operating and i I just thought it would be good for us to share it with our audience so without further ado let's welcome rob to money mondays Hey, thanks for having me on, Kalisha, Betsy. Great to see you guys. Man, thank you. And thank you for being on here, for um, giving us some of your time and our viewers some of your time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. I'd be glad to come and chat with you, ladies. Anytime. Man, I love it. He's like, so, like, Rob is like super, super laid back and he's like super chill. But you guys will pick that up during the entire episode. And 
while we're asking questions for you guys as well, we try to make sure that it's very helpful. We take it from the perspective of a newbie as well. We'll break things down. If Rob says anything that you guys want him to repeat, just let us know in the chat. Um, and we'll also we'll just have him to go over it. But let's dive in a little bit, Rob, for persons who are not from Sub2, doesn't know who you are. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into investing. Yeah, so I've been doing real estate in and around real estate for quite a while. Uh, grew up, uh, my dad's a general contractor, so grew up summers being on the job site, swinging hammers, that sort of thing. Um, when I was fairly young, my mom got into uh, residential assisted living. And so I grew up around assisted living my whole life. Uh, it's probably been 30 years or so that we've been doing assisted living. More recently, uh, I started doing private lending on my own, uh, just to friends and family for things like fix and flips, uh, purchases, that sort of thing. But that was mostly like on the side, just to people I knew. Mm -hmm. um, about two, that was about two years ago. A year ago, I joined Sub2. I was kind of looking for something to do in real estate, wanted to, to move more into uh, full-time real estate and found Sub2, found Pace Morby and jumped into the Sub2 mentorship. And about the time when I jumped into Sub2 mentorship was July, 2022. That was about the time when Pace was releasing a new program called Gator Method. And I was sort of grandfathered into that program uh, with how it was at the time. Um, and that's how really my lending world got started. It was about a year, just over a year ago. Man, that means we joined Sub2 the same time because I joined Sub2 July 2022. Yep. That's when I joined. My birthday is end of July and I, I bought myself access to the mentorship for my birthday. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's like oh, the perfect Yeah, happy anniversary to Sub2. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's been 15 or 16 months now. Yeah. No, I, I've really enjoyed Sub2. It's a great community. Um, got to have been meeting and continued to meet really awesome people, amazing people who, who are doing amazing things in real estate and outside of real estate. So it's been it's been pretty cool. I've really enjoyed the the sub two community. And also the Gator community has been great too. Yeah, it's not as large as the subject community, but there's still lots of really great people in that community. That's for good. those who don't know, like what is what is this Gator community? What is this Gator method? For those who don't know, so Gator method is an idea of using capital to insert yourself into deals. Uh, Gator is a a term that Pace Morby has. Uh, made up to describe the, the type of lending that he was envisioning with doing this, this sort of approach. Um, conversely, you know, like when you're putting it in light of whales and all these different kinds of lenders, Pace found this, didn't find it really, but sort of codified this approach to using capital and he called it Gator. Gator really describes as Pace has taught it so far. Has, uh, Gator has really been about uh, earnest money lending and transactional double close type of lending. Um, I know that there are things coming down the pipe, for example, uh, loan sponsorships. One of the leaders in the Gator community, Jake, he does loan sponsorships. You know, that's going to be whatever, 3.0, 4.0 down the line. Um, one of the approaches is using um, a third-party funder, such as uh, the Gators use, called Alpha Gator, um, where we partner with them to, to loan on bigger deals. Um, but there are other things coming down the pipe that are not necessarily real estate related. Pace right now is pushing a lot into business acquisitions, and on the sub two side, that is. And so on the Gator side, he's he's training Gators how to use capital to insert themselves into business deals. So Gator is becoming more of a method, not really necessarily a real estate lending type of thing. 
Amen. So guys, I hope that is like very clear. Well, because I get it. Like for a complete newbie, the person would be like a Gator transactional EMD. Like what is that? But and we did talk a little bit about that last last week. So if you're yeah. trying like more in depth transactional lending, last week's episode is really good for you guys to rewatch that and get a really like in-depth like how to do transactional lending because we yeah. really dug deep into that but i did want to ask you rob like um are you a more of a private lender like long term or are you more of a gator lender what what would you identify yourself as mm -hmm. neither um so and I'll, I'll give you some backstory on that <clears throat> what i mean when i first started doing when I first started in the Gator community, I was doing like that earnest money type of stuff, right? Uh, loaning earnest money, 2000, 5000, whatever it was. Um, and, and so you do that for a while. And uh, I was starting to experience a lot of volume coming in. And at the, at a certain point, you just don't have enough capital to do all those deals. Right. And so I was reaching out to other Gators in the community, pulling them in into the deals and Hey, can you spot me on this? Let's do this together. Let's JV. And it got to the point where for the majority of the deals I was doing, I was using other people's capital. And so pretty soon that becomes a thing where it's like, you know, I'm not even going to use any of my capital anymore because it's just easier to use other people's capital. And so I became a connector and I was just connecting people on, on deals. Um, and what was happening was, so a lot of the people who are in Gator community are are sometimes new to real estate right they haven't done a lot of real estate deals and what was happening was uh you know pace, pace is always preaching about use a transaction coordinator for your deals right use someone who's familiar with the paperwork yeah so i'm connecting capital and whenever i would connect the capital the other gators would ask me like okay so who's the tc on this deal and so i'd be like oh you know it'd be this guy or it'd be that lady or whoever, I would always refer that service, that service out to other TCs in the community because I wasn't a TC myself. Mm -hmm. Until you know, I woke up one day, it's like, why am I referring the service out? Why don't I just do this also along with the money connecting? And so that's how really, you know, the Tusk funding and the Tusk TC side really came to be is they they just really great businesses that go hand in hand together when you're when you're a connector yeah. right so that's i'm not short term or long term the answer is i do all of it um but i never use my own capital to do it mm -hmm. yeah man and it's i like that you you said that that you don't you're you don't like using your own capital but at least if a worst case scenario rob has the ability guys to he has his capital and can use it for another project worst case scenario but he's leveraging other people's money to do more transaction. And it's, it's a smart way of doing it. Yeah. It's literally a smart way. It's really leveraged. Like that's the point of what they call leveraging. And so with all those transactions happening, like, can you break down when you find, when you connect, let's say a Gator for a deal, like walk us through a transaction. If it's like, for example, an EMD, how is, how is that done with you connecting and also doing the TC work? Yeah. So uh, I want to touch a point about what you said about leverage. Mm -hmm. um, although yes, I am leveraging money. What I really do in my role as a connector is I'm, re I'm leveraging relationships for people who have money. Yeah. Right. So that's where, that's where a lot of my time is spent, you mm -hmm. know, um, if you're if you're thinking about uh in order to operate for example a wholesale business mm -hmm. right you're spending a lot of time as a wholesaler on the phone developing relationships with sellers follow up follow up follow up averages like whatever 10 to 15 touches before a house is sold right think about all of that volume that repetition that follow-up that you're doing as a wholesaler trying to get a deal right I'm doing the exact same thing, but with private money lenders. Yeah. So I'm following up with capital. I'm reaching out. Hey, how's it going? How did that deal go? What can we improve on this next deal? What happens if this deal comes up? How much capital do you have ready to go in the next 48 hours if a deal comes up? I'm doing a lot of that sort of thing, right? Leveraging, mm -hmm. leveraging relationships. Yeah. Um, 
Now, what happens when someone comes to me and they're asking for EMD? Uh, so I, I do that initial contact, that initial introduction, talk to me about your deal, talk to me about the paperwork you have in place already, right? Because honestly, EMD is risky. It's, it's risky. So there's no, because we're all, when we're doing earnest money de uh, deals, we're staying within the escrow time period. We're not really putting any paperwork that goes past escrow. So we're not putting any security documents in place. There's no promissory note. There's no deed of trust mortgage, that sort of thing. And so earnest money and, and double close transactional deals those are deals that are relying on timelines. Mm -hmm. They're not relying on, on security documents. We're relying on an inspection. When's the inspection period done? When is closing done? When do those dates align? When is the last day we can cancel? Those are the things that protect us mm -hmm. um, within, within escrow. Yeah. And so you have to know how to navigate escrow um, and you have to know how to navigate the relationships between you and the wholesaler, between the title company, between the end buyer. Those are all relationships that you have to kind of manage in order to do an earnest money double close deal properly. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So my job as the funder is to make sure all those parts are there. And then also my job as the TC, my team, is to make sure like, are all the documents in place that will actually allow us to refund escrow are the documents in place that allow us to cancel the deal if we need to cancel the deal all those things need to be put in place and then we have to also at the, at the back end we have to make sure that you know the b2c contract is in place and proper that their financing is in place and proper that the escrow title company closing attorney whoever it is knows what needs to happen once escrow closes how all the parties get dispersed all that stuff is from contract to closing. That whole process is something that we need to manage um, very attentively mm -hmm. in earnest money and double close type of deals. So you're the one who is vetting these individuals. You're looking at every single deal. Do you have like a team that's helping you or you're making those decisions? Um, I have a team who helps me do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is now done by the team but I'm still looking at deals. I'm still looking at stuff that comes in. Earnest money, um, those are, like I said, they're great deals. They're typically quick deals. You know, you're talking about one week to four weeks in general. Sometimes it goes a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit shorter, but those are, are high touch, high risk deals. That's how I see them. Mm. Like you really know what, you have to know what you're doing. Otherwise you, you stand to lose your your money on those types of deals. Yeah, yeah. So I see you're also leveraging your knowledge. So not just relationships, but also your knowledge. Yeah. yeah and a lot of that, um, you know, I, I'm not the person who made all this stuff up. I was trained and I paid attention during the trainings. Right. And so you, you spend your time going through scenarios and, you know, I, I've done a, a deal or two where I've lost money and it hasn't been great. And you, those are some of the best learning opportunities. Um, but you don't want to necessarily repeat those all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then so with, with so many connections and transactions, how are you keeping up to do to know when you should be doing the follow-ups with these lenders? <clears throat> yeah. So um, I have all of that in my CRM. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the following up, the, the keeping the lenders warm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I use unapologetic results, which is a, a CRM that's white labeled off of go high level. Uh, Dustin Reyna, I can send you guys affiliate links or whatever if you want for that. But it's it's um, has a lot of that automation built in, right? You can you can do emailing campaigns, you can do warm up campaigns, you can do text campaigns. All that is built up in unapologetic results. There's great support in that community. Uh, I would definitely recommend anyone check out that that resource. But a lot of it's automated. Like there's no way you can do it by yourself. It just takes way too much time. No, it's a, it's a whole lot of work. So have you ever done a transaction where as a connector, you find EMD and then you also find private capital or gap funding for the entire transaction. So let's say for example, this is a fix and flipper. They need EMD, 
But once the EMD in, they also need gap funding. Have you ever done something like that? So I found I've done a deal where the wholesaler needs EMD on the A to B leg of the transaction. Mm -hmm. The fix and flipper needs hard money and private money on the B to C leg of the transaction. Mm -hmm. I've done that. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's three different kinds of funding there. One is the EMD. The second is the hard money for acquisition and initial rehabs, right? And then you need a, a third private money loan to finish up the rehab and then turn around and list it and is what this, this deal happened. So all of those types of, regardless of what kind of funding a person would need for their deal, whether it's earnest money, double closings, private short-term money, private long-term money, private partners, uh, fix and flip funding, bridge, fu like anything you can imagine, um, we can get it. Yeah. Right. So what would you say the most creative uh, transaction or uh, deal that you have been able to help fund has been so far? My most creative transaction was my first transaction when I was a brand new Gator um, because we did a... Um, it was a, uh, a wholesale deal, but what was creative about it, I mean, that's not super creative, but what was creative about it was that we wanted to have as many new gators in it as possible. And I think we ended up having like eight or nine people who each put in like a thousand dollars. And then I put in something like 10,000, I think they needed 20,000 is what it came out to, but there's a whole bunch of people like the JV list was like super long and the title company was freaked out and didn't know what to do. But it was creative because it, it got a lot of people to do their first deal, you know, to sort of see what it's like to just go through a deal. Because I think that that people yeah. need that that first initial thing. And so that was really cool to be able to to facilitate that deal. Ah, oh, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. That's really awesome. <laughs> and I, I love how you mentioned um, the JV agreement part of it, because a, a lot of persons might be hearing it, but then they start thinking about the paperwork. Yeah. And it also goes to show, I don't, guys, there isn't a limit. Well, to my knowledge, you guys can always double check a limit to how many members you have in an entity or a JV agreement. It is as long as you put things in writing and you guys are all aware and agree with the same terms and everything like that. So going back to that deal, Rob, how did you structure the returns? You don't have to give us the exact number, but how was the return structure to ensure everyone got paid and you were protected and all that stuff? Yeah, I think it was a 20% return mm -hmm. and then it was divided by the amount that each person put per deal. So, you know, if one person put in 10% of the deal, they got 10% return back. Yeah. For all our, or, 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 or overthinkers, that was like down, down to the stones. <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. Make it simple. Yeah. Life's easier that way. Because you got you to gotta sort of shepherd you know, especially title companies, mm -hmm. like they do a lot of deals, but sometimes they don't do a lot of creative deals where there's a lot of lenders or whatever it is. Not necessarily you want to do deals with a lot of lenders. I'm not saying that, yeah. but sometimes what I'm trying to say is that sometimes they need to be shepherded a little bit. Like, here's what I need step by step by step by step. I'm going to send it to you in an email. Please confirm and write next to it that you understand what this means and this means and this means because the easier you make it for title company the better it's going to be for you yeah exactly no that what are like some challenges though because i know you mentioned you do a lot of volume but are you experiencing any challenges and what are some of those challenges you're you're experiencing right now that you could get seek help with um so i'll um back up to like six months ago I, I was seeing a lot of volume come in, um, but the problem is, so I've been around pace a little bit, right? And mm -hmm. so obviously that comes with some amount of like people getting to know you and they want to do deals with you. And I was sent a lot of deals. Like I woke up one day and had like a thousand in, in my inbox. Like that's too much for anyone to handle, right? Yeah. And the problem, so the problem is never, and this is just like life advice. The problem is not lack of opportunity. The problem is, can you rise to the opportunity? Mm. And Rob did not rise to the opportunity. I felt flat on my face looking at a thousand <laughs> deals, right? 
<laughs> and so the panic sets in. It's like, okay, turn the keys off. We got to shut this car down because this is we're going to go off a cliff, right? Yeah. And that's literally what was happening. We're going to drive this right off a cliff. And so I had to pretty much stop. I had to stop my processes. I had to stop everything because I didn't have the right processes in place. I had to manually touch and do every single deal and walk every single deal through the point, right? And that is way too much work for one person. Mm -hmm. You know, like imagine if you woke up with a hundred deals, that would be a lot, yeah. you know? So, you know, you're dropping phone calls, you're forgetting to follow up on stuff. Oh, we missed funding day, like not good stuff, Yeah. right? So because I hadn't built it up properly, I didn't have a good foundation. Okay, turn it off. Let's tear this whole building down. Let's build a foundation. Let's do things properly. So now, you know, in the last two months, three months, I've really started to be more intentional about how I build things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to jump 20 steps like I did before. I'm going to take one step and let's evaluate, mm -hmm. right? Let's make sure we have all the right people. Let's make sure the processes are working properly. Um, I'm one of the most important things I did is I, I brought Lynn, my partner onto the team. She is amazing. Amazing. I could, I, I can't live without Lynn now, you know, but she's amazing. And so she helps with, you know, I, I tend to be the visionary. So I tend to be kind of scatterbrained and all over the place. And I have 10 ideas and Lynn is the person who says, you're nine, nine of those ideas are absolutely crazy. Don't ever bring them up again. And this one maybe has a chance. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Right. I, I just need that kind of person in my life. And she is really great about helping me through think through things, setting up proper structures. She gives a, she has a great viewpoint. Um, and, you know, she has a lot of experience. I mean, she comes from Amazon and Sony Ericsson. Like she's been in the, top 10 companies, like she knows what she's doing. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really putting together Tusk funds, Tusk TC. Uh, we're also in talks. I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to be talking about this, but I'm going off the rails a little um, where Lynn is really is working on becoming a certified EOS implementer. And we're looking to blow up EOS just like pace is pushing into business acquisitions and all that stuff you need to learn how to operate those businesses if you're going to buy them. Yeah. Right. So here's how you do that. Mm. Right. We're, we're trying to be at the very front of that because we see lots of opportunity in that space too. Um, so how do you handle volume was your original yeah. question. Yeah. Mine was, I didn't, I failed. <laughs> how are you? So thank So you're saying like, thank God to, to, to Lynn. So my next question will be then, how do you, how do you find, how can persons find their Lynn? That is a great question. Mm -hmm. um, I did it by posting in the Facebook group saying my world is falling apart. My business is falling apart. I need help. Mm -hmm. I had worked with Lynn before in a previous capacity in a previous business we had, uh, she was consulting on. And she just happened to respond, Rob, call me. And one thing led to another. And from that call, it, it took a matter of hours for us to be like, okay, we're going to be business partners. Let's start up the new LLC. Let's do all this. Let's do this. This it took a matter of hours just because we drive so well. We, we work together. She's in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm in San Antonio, right? We've never been, I don't think we've ever been in the same room together, but, um, you know, we spend lots of time talking on the phone, like, hey, I need help with this. Hey, what should we do about this problem that comes up? And so I, I don't know how you find a Lynn. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, I, I was blessed. God gave me Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> God knew you needed a Lynn. Because <laughs> thank I God. Because yeah. I know when the, the last time we spoke, you mentioned that it's the, the volume. And when the volume comes in, it's like not having that system in place is a tough part and i really love the fact that you mentioned the importance of building your foundation but at least you had to go through the business falling apart to know what exactly you need 
to build that foundation so you don't make that mistake or experience that challenge again. So that's always key right now. And one of the challenges is always figuring out what do I need? Like everyone wants to build a foundation from the beginning. Yes. But sometimes you just got to dive in, make the mistakes and learn yeah. from it so you know what exactly you need to improve with that. Um, so with the TC side of things, going back a little bit, you have you get it defunded for transactional lending. The TC will co complete all the paperwork. Are, is there any form of follow-up in place that you that has to be done or what happens with the paperwork in that aspect of things? Okay, so we like to say that we, we go from contract to closing, right? Okay. That's what a TC does. Now, could it be pre-contract? Yes. Could it be post-closing? Yeah, there should actually be. There's a lot of things that happen post-closing uh, that an investor needs to do that they shouldn't be doing. They should pass that off to a TC, mm -hmm. pay the extra money because that is a lot of work, yeah. right? And as, as an investor, you, you're probably good at getting deals and closing them and doing that whole thing. So you should be passing off that stuff to a TC. Like if you want to get to a point where you're doing volume as a wholesaler, as a, as an investor, pass off those things to a TC. That's what my team is here for. Right now, the way Tusk thinks about TC work, we're not an assistant or like you're not hiring us to be your assistant. Mm -hmm. You're hiring us because you need a project manager. Mm. And so you've put a project under contract and now you need someone to manage that project to completion. That's yeah. what Tusk TC does. We're project managers. Love it. Ooh, that is like to put, to use that term project manager is the best. That's the best description you've ever. Like yeah, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. That's how, it's, that's how we talk about it. No, that's yeah. It, and I, I totally agree with you because so you mentioned like the post stuff that an investor should hand up to a TC. What are some of those posts to do things? For example, we're, we're around a lot of people who do creative deals, right? Yeah. And subject to deals, for example, one of the biggest, one of, one of the most, uh, one area where a lot of sub two deals get called by mortgage companies is because of insurance issues. Mm -hmm. Right. If you don't know how to set up insurance properly, you're probably going to get the no call due. Yeah. Now, what happens? So let, we can work on the insurance thing. What happens if the note gets called due? What do you do? Mm -hmm. Well, let, let a TC handle that. Right. Uh, how do you transfer the mailbox at the HOA thing? Like, where's the keys? Who gets those keys? Let a TC handle that stuff. Right. How do we set up the automatic uh, payment to the, the servicing company. Mm -hmm. And then who tells the servicing company where all the sub payments need to go? Well, let a TC handle that. Yeah. That, that stuff takes a, you know, could take a month, could take a month and a half, two months. Let a TC handle that. Let them pro manage the project. They know what needs to happen. And you go get another two or three deals and pass those off to the TC too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Listen, like a lot of person may think the TC TC is an additional cost, but I remember the first time I used it to do my transaction, and I was like, why wasn't I doing this all along? I'd rather pay the fee and and not worry about all the stuff that you're talking about. Because especially if you're doing multiple things, it's like you will forget things. But if at least by closing, your TC has all the stuff, they're like, hey, we got all the information that we need. Here are the next step, blah, blah, blah. So it's definitely worth it, guys, to get um, a, a TC. And for those who don't know what a TC is, TC stands for a transaction coordinator for all our newbies that are here. But if you're completely new, and let's say if you're a new private money lender, a new investor, instead of worrying about trying to figure out what all the paperwork that you need, that's where you get a TC because they're knowledgeable in what they're doing. And you have someone who knows way more about paperwork on your team. My next question for you, Rob, is like, how, how can someone decide which TC 
is right for them? Because anyone could say they're a TC, but how to how to make that decision? Sure. Um, there are a lot of TCs, and I think a lot of TCs do a good job. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the best TCs, I, I mean, I don't know all the TCs, obviously, but it depends on the kind of deals you're doing first off. Yeah. Like if you're doing conventional type of deals, you probably don't need a TC who specialized in creative deals. Mm -hmm. Although we do a lot of conventional deals, like we've done a lot of deals, but if you're doing creative deals, sub to seller finance, hybrids of those, Morby innovations, like all these creative things, you should get a TC who has done those kinds of deals. Mm -hmm. Right now, where do you, where do you go find those people? It's pretty easy. Yeah. Trans, there's top tier transaction coordination. It's a whole specific mentorship about how to do creative deals mm -hmm. as a transaction coordinator. It's spendy to get in, but it's understandable. Like it, there's a lot. So, you know, when you're doing conventional deals and by conventional, I mean like, you know, the, the standard real estate agent goes and finds the deal, they find a buyer, they put it, the buyer goes, gets a loan from a bank, like a normal standard deal, right? Yeah. MLS listing. When you're doing those, there's, there's a chance, high chance that those will, deals will close, right? Like it's more than 70%, 80%, like a lot of those deals close, whatever it is. Um, on the creative side, it's the other way around, mm -hmm. like 50% might close, right? So there's, but there's also a lot more to go wrong, mm -hmm. like a lot more. There's lots of, we're, we're juggling multiple things all at once yeah. as transaction coordinators. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And so there's, because we're doing a lot more work, it's more expensive than a conventional transaction coordinator. Um, and we're not doing nearly as many deals as, uh, you know, conventional transaction coordinator might, might do, but the best place to go find those TCs is within the transaction coordinator training that Pace and Molly, his transaction coordinator has put on, it's called top tier transaction coordination. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. before we have a question in the chat, but before I get to that, I wanted to ask you on myself. Um, what advice would you give someone who wants to start using um, private capital for their own deals to grow their own portfolio? Um, sure. What do you mean, like for long term holds, that sort of stuff? Yeah. Okay, so this is the same discussion whether it's tc or whether it's finding a private capital lender whatever it is um i'm firmly convinced that real estate should be done by specialists and what do i mean by that i mean being a wholesaler is different than being a transaction coordinator being a transaction coordinator is different than being a fix and flipper mm -hmm. right like there's all these different avatars and you should specialized in your avatar mm -hmm. so if you're a person who can go and find a lot of deals work with someone else to get funding for those deals work with kalisha and betsy work with rob like there's no reason why you should be go finding the deal now i gotta fix and flip it myself now i gotta go find a lender like i mean that's great if you're doing one or two deals a month yeah. but if you want to do like if you want to make this a business if you want to make some good revenue doing this, you should specialize, right? Well, I come from a medical background. Like you would never have a nurse do everything. They're trained on everything, right? Like all of us are trained. We know how to do in a pinch. We can get by, yeah. but you don't want a pediatric nurse necessarily or the other way around, right? You don't want a, a gerontology nurse taking care of a pediatric patient. Like that's not always a great idea, right? <laughs> Um, so, but it's a great idea if you have a specialist in your corner who you can call and be like, Hey, Kalisha, I need funding for this. Hey, Betsy, can you guys help me out with a private money lender for this? Because it takes that out of your, off of your plate and you can, you can do what you're good at. Yeah. So if someone wants to work with, if someone needs private money, find a specialist. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So Leverage other people. <laughs> 
love it. Oh, and guys, right before we get to the question, like if you guys have questions, drop them in the chat. I see that you guys are are like tuning in and very attentive. But if you're not clear on anything, just feel free to drop them in the chat. Um, yeah. So Brandon. the question is, Brandon is asking, is connecting with private money lenders to help facilitate the deal a part of transactional coordination? Yeah, so if you're coming to me, if you're coming to Tusk, mm -hmm. well, we can do both, right? We can do transaction coordination, we can do private money lending. What we do is we'll have two separate agreements because you're not required to have both, we have two. So if you want funds, we're gonna have a funding agreement. If you want just TC, we're gonna have a TC agreement. If you have if you have both, we're gonna send you both agreements, right? And so that's how we work. Yeah. If you want one or the other or both, we're gonna have separate agreements for that. There's separate charges for both of those services also. Okay, perfect. Which I love, I love that response. I have a follow-up question, and this is just for me. Um, but the so I let's say I come to you and I want. EMD or I not even let's not even use EMD, but I'm looking for a loan for three months. Walk me through that process. How do I submit a deal to you? Do you send me an agreement? Are there any upfront fees? What are your how does your process work if I need funds for three months? It's all on our website, tuskfunds.com. Um, and there's I have two separate areas for funding. One is for business funding. Yeah. So if you need funding for business acquisitions, growth, buying a business car, a, a company car, whatever it is, we have the business side and then we have the real estate side. So if you want real estate funding, go to our site, select, I want real estate funding. And then there's like, a, it's a buffet of options. Like do you want EMD? Do you want fix and flip loans? Do you want commercial lending? Like it's all right there. Just click on what you want and fill out your your information now not all of that is private lending mm -hmm. right some of that is hard money so some of hard money typically you need to have they're not going to pull your credit but you'll you'll need to show at least uh you know decent credit scores whatever that's the hard money side yeah if you want private money lending that's a more nuanced process right because mm -hmm. those deals are tech are usually more complex yeah. When someone's like, I need a second position, hard money. I mean, I need a second position, private money loan. Okay. I need to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you. I need to look over your deal because the majority of time when deals go bad, um, that second position is the riskiest. And so because I have to protect my reputation, I need to make sure that that deal is actually worth pursuing. Okay. That makes sense. And I think that's what, oh, that's what a lot of persons like don't get to. Um, Cause I've had that con this conversation with a few persons over the weekend. They're like, Oh my God, this is a great deal. Yeah. It's a great deal to you. But when you start breaking down the different factors that they left out, they're like, Oh, this is not a good deal. And as you said, it's really your reputation because you don't want to bring a bad deal to your net, your, your, your lenders. And they're like, wait, Rob, what happened to this? What happened to that? It, it looks bad on you because it looks as if you don't know what you're doing as well. So you underwriting that deal is so crucial. And I love that you mentioned that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it also depends on um, what kind of lender you're using. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're using a lender who is more passive and they're okay with things taking longer, like I work with a lot of physicians, right. Mm -hmm. And they're happy if they get 10%. Like, that's fantastic. They're, it's better than they're getting in the bank, right? Yeah. But they want zero hands-on. They just want to put their money somewhere and they want me to manage all of it and then they just want to return, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm using that type of capital, I can do longer deals. I can do deals that maybe at the beginning don't quite work out, but if they can make the payment and over three, four, five, six months, it starts to make more sense. I can do those kinds of deals. But then I'm doing, I'm dealing with people who are like, you know, I won't do it any deals that are longer than three months and I want a minimum of 36% or whatever it is return on it, right? Like really high returns. That's fine too, but the deal need, numbers need to be way different. Yeah. 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 Man, I love this. I love this. Ooh, ooh. So 
we cover the paperwork part of it. So let's say they you 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 underwrote the deal and it's it passed. It's it's a solid deal. What's the next step? Um, paperwork. It's always paperwork. Yeah. The first step and the last step is always paperwork. Um, but yeah, we have to we have to get depending on the state, right? If we're talking about a private money deal, yeah. we're talking about something that goes past escrow. Now we need to get security instruments involved. We need to get promissory notes, deed of trust, or mortgage, depending on what state it is. Um, usually, not usually, almost always, we have an attorney draft those up. So if, if it's your first time doing a deal with us in that particular state, um, you're going to have to pay to get those things done. It's not our cost. It's an attorney who needs to draft that up. Now, could you, if you're doing repeated deals in the same state with us, do you have to pay those every time? No, because they're going to draft up that document once and you can reuse that document provided, you know, there, there's obviously some things that might need to be changed in it, but um, so you have to have those things. Now, what happens if a deal comes through and, you know, a really creative deal where the numbers don't seem to work, but maybe we can do something like cross collateralize. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about a whole nother set of paperwork that we need to take care of, right? We need to put, we need to put a lien against this property. We need to file against this property. Like there's a few things that need to happen in those kinds of deals. Could we do them? Yes. Is it going to cost you? Yes. Yeah. But you better be buying a great deal because, you know, doing all those extra steps. Yeah. They're not always cheap, mm -hmm. but can we get the deal done? Yeah. We can get deals done. Yeah. Man, it's always the, the paperwork is always what can be costly. It's always a thing. And at the same time, it's like, I want to protect myself, but I, and I don't want to go cheap. So you guys have to really yeah. evaluate. That's the, but for me, Putting just those costs up front and in your underwriting really does help because mm -hmm. you also have to think about, Hey, how much is it going to cost me to be able to get this level of legal stuff and protection for me, for my lenders. Um, I think as an investor, that's one of the most important things that you can think of when you're thinking about the transaction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, upfront, I think the whole thing upfront is, is critical. And I think a lot of people don't realize how critical it is. Right. Especially mm -hmm. if you want repeat business business. Yeah. So for example, um, early on, and there still is a lot of talk in Gator about like, you know, let's, let's get huge returns and we'll take big chunks of deals. Like, and when someone asks you, how much is your fee for a deal? The answer is always, it depends. Like, I don't do business like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'll tell you where this came from. Uh, in my assisted living past, um, a lot of the way that um, charges are decided for a resident in assisted living, it's called a la carte, right? So you have a base fee. And then if you want this, you need it's extra. And if you want that, it's extra. And if you want... If now we have to help your mom by feeding her, it's an extra charge. And yeah. to me, that started to feel feel like nickel and diming people. And I didn't like it. I had a really, every 20 minutes you're calling someone like, hey, we need to increase your charge or hey, and I didn't like it. And so what I did is I, I went to a higher rate, but just made it flat. Mm -hmm. Like this is what it's always gonna be. Like it doesn't matter if your mom comes in super healthy and all the way till she's super sick, this is the flat rate. And what that did is it provided people a lot of peace of mind they knew how much to budget for they knew how you know from a to z what was going to happen i i took that same ideology into my funding business mm -hmm. and so when people come to me and ask what's your gator rate it's one percent it's one percent of the per of the of the okay. purchase price oh purchase price okay one percent purchase price how much is your transactional funding Two percent of the purchase price. That's it. One percent. Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, I like that. That makes it so much. And that way, yeah, that way wholesalers they know what to plan for. And if I'm buying this house at two hundred thousand dollars, I know Rob's going to loan me two thousand dollars, and I'm going to pay him back two thousand. But then, how do you do it for if it's a, a longer term loan where now you have securities in place? So that depends on first or second position. Mm -hmm. 
right? First position, if someone comes to us and they're asking for first position, we're gonna default by trying to push them into a hard money, money. private money, more conventional, more institutional type of deal, yeah. right? Um, we have lots of, obviously, there's tons of funding partners who do that. Mm-hmm. If they're coming in for second position, I really have to evaluate how risky this is going to be. Like if it's, if it's got a, if I fund second position and there's still a ton of equity, that's going to be way less risky than if you're a fix and flipper, you have a 70% hard money loan. And now you want me to come in and fund another 20 or 30% of that. That's probably not going to happen in a private, private lending Mm -hmm. scenario. Now, could that deal still happen? Yes. But it might not be a loan. It might be a partnership now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in a partner who is going to be with you for a longer period of time to make sure that after the project is done, maybe we can grow some equity in there. They're going to get a bigger chunk because they're doing a much riskier deal. In exchange for risk, you're going to have to give up a bit of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that's what's happening a lot these days. And I think borrowers need to be, they need to be more open with those things, especially mm-hmm. if it's a fix and flip um, or buy yeah. and hold. Like these days, instead of asking for a six month loan or a 12 month loan, like you have to be okay giving up equity because that person is coming in with 60,000, 80,000 of their hard earned money. It's not like a hundred bucks. So you have to be okay with them with giving something up. Cause I've heard like other investors and they'll be like, Nope, I'm not giving up equity. And I'm like, what are you bringing to the table? You just have the deal. And you want this person to put up all this risk and you're not willing to give up something, you know, but I'm glad that I'm happy that you mentioned that because it's something for a lot of borrowers to consider. Yeah. Especially if there are, no, this is. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is I'm, I'm going to have conversations with them, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Hey, you're bringing this deal. You're probably not going to get it funded how it is. Why don't you assign it? Why don't you sell it? Why don't you do something else with it? Mm-hmm. Um, or you're going to have to bring more cap, more of your own capital to the table yeah. if, if you want to make this work. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to work, right? Unless you bring on a partner, chances are those really tight deals, they're not going to get funded. They're just too risky. It's too risky. Too, way too risky. No. And well, especially why- in this economy, you know, everyone's facing facing a, a, a falling economy. And so it's yeah. like, well, we need a, we need to have an extra layer of due diligence, an extra layer of protection uh, and do more conservative deals. If we're funding those risky second position, third position, I've heard of third position, fourth position stuff. So you gotta be super careful with stuff like that. Now, let's also preface the discussion by saying, it really depends on who you're lending to. Right. If this person's done a hundred deals, they're well known for paying their their lenders back, Mm -hmm. and they ask for a third position on their property. I might not do it, but I'm sure I can find someone who would, based on their based on their reputation alone. Mm -hmm. So it really, really depends, again, on relationships and on on both sides relationships, both the borrower and the lender. Yeah. And it's a great way to bring in the cross collateralization aspect too. Yeah. When that person have experience or have a deal, if if you think, if you don't want to be in second lane, maybe they have a property with a ton of equity in it and you feel more comfortable. Like that's something as lenders you guys can ask for as well. But Rob, like right before we, we wrap up guys, this is your chance to continue to ask any questions that you might have um, and let us know what you guys think so far. Um, what advice advice would you give to anyone who one has the capital, but they're unsure if they should do EMB transactional short-term, long-term lending? That's the first question. And advice for persons who are looking to borrow funds as a complete newbie and looking to borrow funds. Okay, so if you have capital and you're wanting to put your capital to work, mm-hmm. it depends on how risky you want to be, right? The way I'm going to make a broad generalization here. If you're doing shorter deals, those deals tend to be riskier. If you're doing longer deals, they tend to be less risky. Is that always true? No, not 100% of the time, but for broad 
generalization. That's how it typically happens. Mm -hmm. Now, also, the shorter the deal is, the more hands-on, the more touchy you have to be on it, right? If the deal is longer, it's much easier to be passive. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to what kind of lender are you, yeah. right? Are you wanting to be involved in all your deals on every single day worrying about it? Or do you want to just put the money in and expect that monthly payment to come in yeah. and be less involved in it? Now, you could pass off a lot of that to someone like me or like Kalisha and Betsy, like that could be passed off, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean the risk goes away. The yeah. risk is still yeah. present, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're new and you're wanting to borrow money, there's nothing wrong. Like we've all been new. Yeah. Just know that it's going to take a little bit more vetting on the part of a lender to trust you. Yeah. Make sure you're underwriting properly. If you need help underwriting, I'm sure there's there's a lot of resources. Kalisha, I know you have a lot of resources too on that. Yeah. Make sure you're underwriting properly. Make sure that you're leaving space, right? The, the goal isn't to make the most return possible on every single deal. The goal is to make sure that your lenders are happy on every deal. Mm-hmm. Right. So if your business is dependent upon using lenders for your deals, make sure your lenders are always happy or mm -hmm. else you're, they're not going to lend to you. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And, and I did want to shout out that Kalisha is having a webinar talking about underwriting. So if you guys uh, mm -hmm. want to join that, I forgot about <laughs> about underwriting just go to her link tree go connect with her and um sign up yeah i have um the underwriters coming in guys and they're like this underwriter would have um very detailed this is a new one rob from the last one that we spoke about but they're they're very detailed know their stuff super fast and um they'll be with myself and this underwriter will just be sharing like the basic stuff we won't even go in depth, like the basic stuff to look out for when you guys are underwriting deals to decide if it's something you want to lend on, whether it's short term or long term, but just to create some value for persons who have capital and borrowers as well. No, but Rob, this has been, oh, he froze. Oh, he's back. This has been amazing. I mean, the first time I, I spoke to Rob, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking to the famous Rob Seema. Finally. And he had, <laughs> a great conversation and i love how how your your business is set up i mean and what i love is that as much as we're doing something similar it's always great when you can share what you're doing on to, to each other and you bounce ideas off each other and the fact that you're here sharing about your business your structure and everything we appreciate it a ton um for coming in and sharing with, with our audience as well so thank you so much for she dropped in so much gems today. It was very, very informative. It's one of those episodes, I know we say it all the time, but it's one of those episodes where you guys have to go back and rewatch it, go back and re-listen to it because it breaks down a lot of things, like the entire lending process, whether you're doing short or long-term loans as well. So thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. We, and we appreciate oh, you're it. welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, there... I don't see us as competitors. I see us as collaborators. You know, there's plenty of opportunity out there for everyone to get involved and, and do their own deals. And, you know, that, that's the purpose of specialists, right? Yeah. We're becoming specialists and we're becoming super great at what we do. So that makes, makes it easier for other people to do what they need to do. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Rob. Thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you. Our viewers for being here too, for commenting, asking questions. We really appreciate and see if every and each of one of you. We also see you guys on the podcast. We have gone over a thousand um, listeners on Spotify, so we're really excited about that. We are very thankful um, for you guys that listen on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. We are there to try to provide the most value that we can. So we really appreciate you guys, you know, showing us all that love. And um, we want to appreciate you guys. We are going to start to do something really cool. Uh, I'm gonna share it 
It's going to be, we're going to be bringing on newbies so that they can come up here and ask questions and uh, we can start talking about, you know, what they have. Um, yeah. So it'll be for, for all of us to view and a lot of people, you know, sometimes we don't think about the questions that yeah. newer people think about. So I think it'll be a really great opportunity. You guys, um, if you want to be part of that, definitely comment on one of our videos, either Spotify on, on the the audio videos or on the YouTube videos. Either way, we will see it. Um, so we really appreciate you guys. And whether you're looking to finance your next project, mm -hmm. launch, or expand your new business, we hope that this episode gave you insights, strategies, and tips so that you guys can raise capital and invest with purpose. See you next time. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.